Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, how's it going? Ancient Remedies, Ancient Remedies, it's time for our show. It's you doing, going Brad? great, man. Thank you so much for for joining me. Yeah, hey, excited Exciting. to be on. Exciting. Yeah, let's let's get right into it. We got a uh, we got a new book to talk about and many other things. So, you ready, man? You warmed up? I, I am. How long do you typically go for? Uh, well, I, I appreciate your time so much. If you like the 45 to 60 minute window, I, we can, we can yeah. get it done. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Ideally by four. So about, yeah, if it's just under, if it's long, yeah, 45 minutes from now, that works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, man. Dr. Josh Axe, I gotcha. I'm so happy to connect your, your larger than life presence. And now here we are with a wonderful conversation. We got a lot to talk about, especially your new book. So thanks for joining me. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Excited to talk everything uh, Ancient Remedies. Well, it's nice that Ancient Remedies are coming to the forefront because it seems when we look around, we have a disaster on our hands, which is uh, Western medicine. I know it's great when you're sick and the sick care uh, model is doing well. They came up with a vaccine very quickly. Uh, I had an appendix removed from my body, and so I'm still alive years later to talk about it. Uh, but all the other stuff, the the healing, the wellness, uh, the world that you've been into, I'd love to kind of um, go back to the starting point and how you you know how you got into this uh, this pipeline and, and took it all the way uh, into the the functional medicine world, and now uh, your position as you know one of the influencers on the internet and, and leading authors. Yeah. So, you know, I got involved in the, in natural medicine through a health crisis in my family. Um, growing up, my family was into fitness, but we knew nothing about nutrition. And we also lived in the medical model. So when we were sick, we went to the physician, we got prescribed drugs, we didn't know any better. And when my mom at 40 years old was diagnosed with breast cancer, we went through all the conventional medical treatments. She went and she had a mastectomy. She went through rounds and rounds of chemotherapy. And I can still remember this day, her losing her hair uh, and just how sick she got. And just thinking to myself, two things, there's got to be a better way. And I never want to see anyone have to go through this sort of suffering again. And, and so she was diagnosed as being cancer-free. But the crazy thing was, after my mom's treatment, she really seemed like she had more health problems than ever before. My mom went and uh, she... Um, you got put on antidepressant drugs, uh, got diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, thyroid issues, major digestive issues, and this went on for years. And finally, it was well over a little bit over 10 years, and I decided I wanted to become a doctor and learn how to help people heal using food as medicine and some of the stuff. And so I went, started studying, and I got about a year away from graduation. Um, or maybe actually even less than that. It was probably a few months from graduation. I got a call from my mom and she says, I've got bad news. I've been diagnosed with cancer again. What do I do? It's on my lungs. I said, I'll be home. I flew from Florida back to Ohio where I grew up. And I've been really fortunate at the time to working with some doctors who practiced more functional medicine. And I've been learning about this. And I just spent a lot of hours just reading and researching how to support cancer, how to fight cancer with food, with supplements, with lifestyle, all this stuff. And so with my mom, we decided to take an all-natural approach. And so we, she started juicing some vegetables using, uh, and along with the vegetable, uh, juicing vegetables, she pretty much ate cooked vegetables, wild organic meat, and berries and bone broth. And that was pretty much it. She ate those foods. We started using, you know, and I started doing research on ancient, you know, remedies and herbals for cancer. And I started coming across some amazing stuff, especially in Asian uh, medicine, talking about uh, astragalus, talking about turmeric, talking about reishi mushroom. So I started reading all this info. So we started putting her on those herbals. Um, and also we really looked at her stress and her mindset. We had her start overcoming fear and worry by really focusing on um, you know, visualization and, and praying, praying for healing and just reducing stress too. She had a lot of stress in her life. So she started getting outdoors more. So we did all this stuff. We went back to her oncologist, redid a CT scan. She called the next day and her oncologist said, this is highly unusual. We don't typically see this, but the tumors have shrunk by more than half. 
She said, come back in nine months, went back nine months later, complete remission. And today my mom is in the best shape of her life. She's in her late sixties and water skis. Uh, she, she, uh, she says she feels better now in her sixties and her thirties. And so anyways, that's a big part of what led me to, uh, practice the way that I practice, um, using a lot of these, you know, ancient, uh, you know, ancient, an ancient diet and ancient remedies to help people heal. Was this in concert with whatever medical treatment she was directed to follow? No. So you just went that natural route and, and went all in basically because most people that have a recurrence would, um, you know, w- would be terrified. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And listen, I, I, I'm not saying everybody should do what she did exactly, but what I'm saying is for her, it worked. And here's the other thing is my mom went all in too. She made all of the changes. She changed her mental and emotional health. She changed and upgraded her foods and supplements, everything else. Yeah, no, but she, um, you know, she, she, uh, no, she healed just, just doing what I shared. What about you, Josh? I, I had this question with Dr. Kate Shanahan. Uh, she said, you know, if I got cancer tomorrow, uh, I would get on a plane and go to this clinic in Turkey where they're using the, uh, the, the low insulin uh, eating and uh, some uh-huh. you know, novel treatments. Uh, but I would put that to you. What, what would happen? Well, for me, I, I, would, um, I would do just what I shared, what my mom did. Now, when I probably consult with some people too, yeah, there's some good doctors. You know, there's uh, I've, I've heard of the clinic in Turkey. It's very good. There's another clinic in Spain run by Dr. Raymond Hailu. There's, uh, you know, there's some in other areas of the world. Uh, like there's one in Germany and another in Sweden. So, you know, there, there, there's some good holistic clinics. And I think holistic treatment is fantastic. Um, and also, I, you know, for me, though, I think what I've learned is I've spent so much time studying uh, ancient medicine is that our emotional health is the biggest root of cancer. It's the biggest root. It's not diet. So really, I would really, first thing I would do is check myself saying, what is the healthy emotional pattern that I'm experiencing or what happened in the past, what memory or thing that's happened that I'm still living with today that I haven't let go of? So I would really start there and start doing the food, the diet, the holistic treatments. You know, I think those are fantastic as well. And so I would probably absolutely consult with some people and incorporate those. So we hear this a lot that the, the, there's... Uh, lifestyle-related, stress-related, uh, you know, triggers for cancer. But physiologically, what's happening there when you're running around in this fast-paced, s- stressful life, carrying a lot of resentments and stored energy that's not healthy? How is that causing the cancer cells to mutate? Yeah, sure. Pretty easy. So, so the way this works in ancient Chinese medicine is, and by the way, some of this terminology I will explain, but here's what they call it. They call it, uh, they call it qi stagnation and blood stagnation in that area is what causes cancer. So essentially we, we don't have a healthy environment in that area. One, because, so here's what qi stagnation, qi in Chinese medicine is essentially your body's uh, battery. So think about your phone, right? Like what's your phone battery at? Is it at 80% right now, 50%, 20? Based on where that is, is a big deal because that sort of helps energize and bring energy to your entire body, okay? That's a, a lot of that's based on your hormonal system. So looking at that, how balanced is that hormonal system or how are your adrenals doing? And so that's chi. Now, chi stagnation means that you don't have that energy moving through that area of the body. Um, and there's something there emotionally that I'll hit on that really causes that. The other thing is blood stagnation. What is blood? Well, blood carries nutrients to the body. It carries oxygen and it carries nutrients. So oxygen and nutrients. So if somebody has breast cancer per se, um, and it depends on the side. Uh, you know, if somebody has breast cancer on their left side in Chinese medicine, the left side is yang in Chinese medicine, which is giving. So somebody's been giving themselves and doing too much. So think about this. You have a mom, like my mom, breast cancer on her left side. That, that the root cause emotionally for her that was causing stagnation and disease to build up in the area was she never said no. Hey, would you volunteer at the school rally? Would you do this? Would you make food for your family? Would you work full time? Would you literally giving everything she had for everyone else and never taking care of herself? In Chinese medicine, that's the root cause of left-sided breast cancer. Now, on the right side is yin. That tends to be a woman is not in touch with her feminine side. 
So there's an example, like I had a, a doctor I was talking to, he's, he's more of a psychiatrist who's in the holistic realm. And, and he had a patient and her dad um, named her Hope because he had hoped she was a boy and raised her like a boy. So she never got in touch with those hormones. And so eventually she decided breast cancer on her right side. But anyways, you can see these things are deeply emotional. But that being said, so emotionally, you give yourself, you give yourself, you give yourself. to. So, so that's the root there. But so how do you heal that? Well, one, you start caring for yourself. You start also meditating on how much God loves you. So you're getting sort of love in return. You get around encouraging and loving people who start nourishing you. That's how you heal. So I'm using left-sided breast cancer as that prime example. The chi movement, you move chi by consuming a lot of these adaptogenic herbs that support building chi in the first place. Reishi mushroom is a great example of an herb that's going to do that. Cordyceps do that. More for the lungs than the breast tissue, but reishi really does that. And then um, like... uh, you know, things that are going to support uh, more of that chi flow, there's certain herbs like uh, milk thistle is a really good one. So those bitter herbs are going to create that movement. And then foods that are going to support um, uh, blood flow and that sort of thing, beets, green leafy vegetables are going to be fantastic. All of those are going to help build that blood build. There's nutrients, turmeric. Turmeric is known as the ultimate. Like we tend to think of it as an anti-inflammatory in Chinese medicine it's the number one herb to nourish the blood and move the blood, which is also why there's all these cancer studies showing turmeric, the top herb for cancer, one of the top five probably, because that treats that uh, blood stagnation flow issue. So anyways, if I had cancer today, I would really use food as medicine. I know the foods that treat different types of cancer. If it's lung cancer, the emotional root or colon that's your, those are the two organs that are primarily responsible for your immune system. It's you've had something had in the past and you've never, never let it go. It could be emotional abuse. It could be physical abuse. It could be you've never forgiven a person for what they've done to you and you've held onto it to your whole life, unforgiveness, or you have this hurt, you've never talked about it, you've kept inside. That creates stagnation in, in disease in the lungs and colon. And so you have to overcome that emotional response. So that's really the root cause according to you know, ancient medicine. Wow. Very, uh, very well said and, and, and compelling. Uh, and I suppose there's, you mentioned some of the foods in the healing process. And of course, I'm sure there's so many other modalities, mindfulness, meditation, therapy, um, reading good books and, and so forth. And, sure. and working on that on that entire pathway. Uh, now, I guess uh, speaking for the um, all the oncologists listening today to the show, um, it seems like there's a lot of resistance, or this stuff is entirely disregarded. Uh, but we're yeah. tiptoeing. We're tiptoeing in the direction where it's becoming integrated. Uh, there's studies that um, uh, Tai Chi has become a, a central element of the. Uh, is it the Cleveland Clinic or the place in New York where they're they're putting this into the mix now, finally? So I wonder how you here on the front lines where you have opposition from classically trained physicians saying, what is this guy talking about? And then, you know, going through the, uh, in the functional medicine world, how do we um, kind of make inroads further? And how do you answer to people that uh, dismiss this as, uh, you know, nonsense in comparison to getting blasted by chemo? Yeah, sure. Well, it all comes down to worldview. And so when you have somebody who has an Eastern or Western worldview, today our medical system is all based on Western civilization, so Greek medicine, as it, as it evolved over the years. And so Eastern medicine, they look at the body holistically. They're going to look at more of a big picture approach, even when they're reading something. And we could talk about how you break down and interpret the Bible. Like, like the, the Jews in Eastern philosophy will look at the big picture and read it as a story. In Greek, they'll break down every individual word to say, what does that word mean? Neither one is completely right or wrong. I do think the big picture approach is going to lead you to a better uh, final destination in most cases, because when you get that close to it and you're studying one little thing, a lot of times you miss the forest through the tree. You end up in a, in a bad spot. That being said, you know, I think that's the first thing. You know, Greek medicine, they look at individual, you know, like, this one hormonal factor is off or, hey, the thyroid is off. Why is the thyroid off? Well, just because the thyroid is, it's diseased, it's the problem versus Eastern medicine says, well, let's take a step back. Let's look at the big picture. Why is the thyroid off? Oh, it actually is due to adrenal and gut issues. And so we need to start there and and 
focus on treating the whole person, the whole body, look at the body in that way. So the difference is the viewpoint is we look at the Western medicine looks at things under microscopes and things like blood work and numbers. Eastern medicine looks at things in the big picture. The same thing too. Western medicine looks at things. What's the recent study that came out? What came out right now? Let's Mm. look at that under a microscope. Hey, change everything. Do this right here. Eastern medicine steps back and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, what have we been doing and what's worked over the past 3,000 years? Let's look at the pattern. Let's follow that. Western medicine prizes in prizes these double-blind placebo studies. Unfortunately, the other thing is it's very biased because of pharmaceutical companies. But all that being said, what Eastern medicine is going to do is they have millions of individual case studies over the past 3,000 years proving the efficacy of the way that you know, Eastern medicine works with the body. So unfortunately, we have this big Western influence that's influencing people. But I would say, you know, the other thing, I think it's unfortunate, and this just shows the arrogance of a lot of people in the Western medical profession today. There's an arrogance of our way is better than your way. It's a superiority, it's a superiority complex where they'll sort of scoff at somebody that comes in with a different viewpoint because they can't see it. Everything with them is reasoning. They've only learned to break things down in, in one specific way. And so anyways, the truth is, is they're blind. They're blind because they've never been taught to see the world or to see health in a certain light. So to them, they literally, they just can't even see it. So to them, it's not real. It's a myth. And so they'll literally call it a myth. They'll talk about it like it's a fantasy or myth. And that's sort of the way it works. But you know, the good news is there are some physicians that are better able to see the big picture. The reason they usually see it is they start working with patients and realize it's not working. I prescribed this medication, it's not working, or they have a health problem themselves. They Mm. try medication, it doesn't work. So then they go on this journey and they find, oh, I healed myself using this. That's a common factor I see in almost (laughs) all of the doctors that start practicing natural medicine. They get sick or a family member gets sick, whatever they were doing doesn't working. And so then they find this, you know, Eastern medicine ancient medicine, start using it works, and then they change their, you know, what they're doing. Yeah, I like the, uh, the anecdote from Dr. Timothy Noakes, one of the leading exercise physiologists in the world, and uh, doing his life's work in the carbohydrate paradigm, and you, you finish your workout and replenish with carbs to, to fill the glycogen back up in your muscles, and he was battling um, pre-diabetic condition, even though he was a lifelong ultra runner and, and steeped in all the research, and so he decided on a whim to go keto, clicking on an internet banner ad, and he lost 22 pounds in short order and improved all his blood work. And so he stepped up to the podium at an international conference and he said, hey, you know, what can I say? I'm 22 pounds lighter and I feel great and here's my blood work. And so, uh, you know, how can you argue with uh, tremendous success? I like your 3,000 year uh, uh, scientific study too. That's a good, uh, good track record there in the Eastern medicine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, what we're talking about today is our system has created these double-blind studies. But again, I think all of these individual case studies of what works somebody, when you look at them, again, you have to be a big picture you know, person to be able to see this though. But yeah, I think that's why, and I think that's why TCM is still around in Ayurveda. I think that's why these forms of medicine are growing back in popularity uh, as well. As, and, and they just make sense too. If somebody has common sense and reads them, they're like, okay, I, I get why this works. Nice. And so you extend this conversation into uh, herbs, essential oils, CBD. This is the the subtitles of your book going beyond just the making the good food choices and getting the superfoods. So how do these other things integrate into your, into your practice and your uh, philosophy? Yeah, I want to, I want to be clear on this though, that I really think if you want to heal the two primary things you have to do is you have to look at your mindset slash your lifestyle, you know, like that's key. And then food. I think everything else is supplementary. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think herbs, using essential oils, some of the other things are, are supplementary, but that thing, I'll also throw sleep in there with that lifestyle mm-hmm. thing. Sleep is a huge deal if you look at the research. I mean, it's a big deal when it comes to beating disease. But I do think herbs are uh, a great thing um, for a lot of people. Um, you know, specifically, you know, when, when I use the word, uh, medicine, uh, up until 180 years ago, when you heard the word medicine, it meant herb. 
Like that's what a medicine was. If you, even today, if you go into an ancient apothecary, which apothecary essentially means pharmacy, if you go into that in Asia today or a lot of places, here's what they have in an ancient pharmacy. You go in there, they're going to have herbs and spices, mushrooms, and organ meats, dried organ meats known as glandulars. That's what, that's what was in an ancient apothecary that people used to heal themselves up until recently. Listen, if we're looking through all history, this is what they did. The reason is, is they're, they're just more nutrient-dense or more compound-dense um, you know, plants or animal, by, uh, a- animal uh, products. And so you know, the herbs and spices, I think, just to cover a few, I think are really powerful. If we're talking about inflammation, you know, turmeric is incredibly powerful, as is ginger in Galangal, and there's other ones in Chinese medicine, skullcap, rosemary, in fact, is one of the most powerful anti-inflammatory herbs a lot of people um, you know, don't realize. And so again, I think inflammation, those are some great inflammation fighters. If we're talking about boosting your immune system, the primary immune boosters used in all of a- Asian medicine and Indian medicine and, and, East, and actually Israeli medicine as well, you're going to be using things like uh, astragalus, is actually known as the number one herb to help strengthen the gut brain connect or the gut immune connection. So it strengthens your gut and your immune system. So it's really powerful for leaky gut syndrome, autoimmune disease. It's also good for it's good for a lot of things. Astragalus, there's some good cancer research there. So astragalus is probably my top one for long-term immunity. Short-term immunity, if you are sick or wanting to prevent something immediately probably elderberry and echinacea are two of the top. Now, echinacea is more of a European herb, but today it's, you know, it's, a, it's a great one to use that along with elderberry. Uh, reishi mushroom, I mentioned this earlier, there's loads of cancer studies on it, especially if you look at the cancer medical journals published in Asia. So reishi has got a lot of benefits there for, for immune health as well. So those are some of the top. There's others, andrographis in Chinese medicine was more for clearing out phlegm and mucus, olive leaf, those sort of things are pretty good. If we're talking about hormone balance, for men with low testosterone, the ancient remedy in China was a combination of ginseng, panix ginseng, and fenugreek. If someone was much older, had a very severe deficiency, they'd use something called deer antler. And when we hear these things, people think, oh, these are weird. What? So in Chinese medicine, low testosterone is due to two things. It's a qi and a yang deficiency. The way that shows up in most women is hypothyroidism. But in men, it shows up more as low, low testosterone, or that's what we call it. And so fenugreek is a big yang booster. Yang is more like it's going to support testosterone, where qi is more of going to support those adrenal hormones, um, adrenaline and cortisol. It's going to support more of those numbers. So if you're older, over the age of, if somebody's over the age of 50, 50 to 60, you're going to do ginseng. If you're under that age, ashwagandha is better because it's more gentle as an adaptogen for that qi. For women, if we're talking about issues like PCOS or infertility, PCOS specifically is an insulin issue. You got to focus on diet. That's the biggest thing. But in addition, some of the herbals are going to help with insulin. We know cinnamon is very good, bitter melon. There's lots. Holy basil, you know, are all good. I think if a woman is having more issues related to PMS, Vitex, known as chastberry, is fantastic. A woman is having menopausal or postmenopausal symptoms and just kind of feeling off hot flashes, that sort of thing. Black cohosh is very good. Um, so, so those are some of the best for hormones. For digestion, ginger, peppermint, fennel, those all work in a really great way. And I could go on. I, I could talk about a lot of herbs, but those are some of the best. Let me just hit on some of the mushrooms and then the glandulars here. So when we talk about mushrooms, for lung capacity and endurance, if you have an infection that's a viral infection that's affecting the lungs, like a bronchitis, cordyceps mushrooms. Cordyceps mushrooms are very good for stimulating and strengthening lungs. Um, Reishi, again, just long-term lifespan. Lion's mane mushroom has been shown to help your nervous system, specifically your brain. It's actually medical studies are showing it supports memory and focus and cognitive decline. Um, And then turkey tail. Turkey tail is known as the mushroom that has the strongest antiviral properties. So if you want to fight a virus, use turkey tail. And then in terms of uh, glandulars, you know, nothing is more nutrient dense than probably liver. I mean, liver has been consumed since the beginning of time to support your organ systems. It's known in Chinese medicine. So there's a principle called like supports like that comes from ancient Chinese medicine. So we know you eat liver, it supports your liver. 
but it really supports it's it's got 10 times the amount of b vitamins that a steak does or green leafy vegetables so the b12 is off the charts the iron is really high a super highly absorbable form of iron uh so anyways, liver is like that, that organ meat that almost everybody should be getting in their diet, but then there's others too. You know, a heart contains really high levels of coenzyme Q10, which supports heart function and regeneration. You know, there's spleen, there's pancreas, you know, so all the organ meats are glandulars. If you have a organ issue related, if you have a disease related to that organ system, like like a liver issue or, or gallbladder issue, then eat that organ if it's going to support that organ. And there's a whole nother like supports like that is if a food looks like an organ system, it supports that organ. A walnut looks like a whole head. You crack it open, has two hemispheres, left and right, supports your brain. It's high in choline, high in vitamin E, high in omega-3 fats. Same goes, I could go through probably 30 right now. I want to give you time to answer another, ask me another question. But that being said, you know, like supports like is something I think that's a really powerful ancient principle that a hundred percent is proved today with medical science as well. Yes. I'm super interested in that. You may know that I'm working with ancestral supplements, promoting the MOFO product, the male optimization formula with organs that contains- I know. I, uh, I didn't know that, but it sounds yeah, great. It's a formulation with uh, uh, testicle, prostate, heart, liver, and bone marrow designed to, to boost testosterone. And again, we're going back to um, our fixed and rigid beliefs where we might not uh, buy into this stuff. We've sort of rejected organ meats in the modern diet uh, for some reason. It's inexplicable, really, when you look at the, the nutrient density. Uh, but- Boy, it's um, you know I think with uh, with personal experimentation and and assessing the results, uh, we can you know make believers out of people just like you said those doctors that have health problems and turn to it probably in desperation to uh, the, the, you know the the, the world of um, uh, you know, the nutritional medicinal benefits of plants. Uh, but yeah, the the organ meats I feel like that's um, has a strong uh, following these days, and um, you know it can't hurt. Yeah, I'm with you, Brad. Here's the other thing, you know, I think some of this stuff, I, people just need to, doctors a lot of times need to just start using more common sense rather than getting so deep in the weeds on this, some of the pharmaceutical stuff. It's like, you know, we know this is a fact, 100%. If you want to build muscle, you've got to get muscle building proteins. There's certain amino acids, the branch chain aminos, the methionine, like that's going to help you build muscle. What are all the muscle building, you know, uh, you're going to get, these types of aminos from the muscle tissue of the animal, the chicken breast, that's a muscle, the steak that, you know, the beef, that's a muscle, like the, the fish fillet, that's a muscle of the fish. And what does it do? It supports you in building your muscles, bone broth. It comes from the ligaments and tendons, the connective tissue of the animal. So that's going to help you build your joints. It also makes up the skin of the animal. So that's going to help you with your skin. This stuff is common sense. So eating the same thing, same principle, you eat a liver, it's going to support that organ in your own body. And so it's, uh, you know, some of this stuff really is just common sense, but it's amazing that I take a liver supplement and an organ meat supplements, glandulars every day. And I notice a difference. I have more strength, more energy. I can tell my blood is healthier. I mean, it's this stuff, it, it, it definitely works. Well, back to the the mindset component. Uh, we're we're excited about the ability to ingest uh, natural agents that that boost health. And it, it seems like I, I appreciate you putting the the great attention on that one too. Especially since you can't make any money uh, telling people to 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 chill out and uh, uh, you know form a positive mindset. But what do you yeah. see are the um, are the big challenges in uh, modern world today? Uh, that are that are sort of uh, taking down that that you know beautiful loving mindset that uh, we idealize. Yeah, so I, I would say I'm going to hit on a couple things, and then I have something I think in terms of because I mentioned this earlier. There are certain emotions that affect different organ systems, uh, and so so you know I think there's two big things to consider. One, media, and I'm talking about social media and news channels is 100% fear-driven. The more time you spend watching the news and on social media where you're following different celebrities and people that essentially have a certain political agenda, listen, it's going gonna, it's gonna to put you in a state of fear. You got to fear a virus. You're going to fear you know, uh, losing your money. You're going to fear 
whatever. You're going to fear all this stuff. Well, I'm afraid I'm not but, good enough when I see all the, the leaders on social media living, living the dream life, landing their helicopter on their yacht. And so there you, there, you, you, you nailed it. It's a fear of missing out and a fear of uh, all the stuff that they're selling us too. A hundred percent. So all, so again, like, that's where it starts is in social media has made it more of a problem today because literally it used to be, you turn on the TV. Sometimes you might watch a few minutes of news and that today on your computer that you've got news on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's so much political news constantly all the time. And it used to be just the politicians talked about it. Well, now if I want to watch, if I want to watch sports, <laughs> Somehow it's half politics. And so, and it's news that is all fear based. They're trying to strike fear in you, telling you the world has fallen apart. It's a problem, whatever. L listen, you got to get away from that. That's the first thing you got to know. It's all about what are you filling your mind with? I'm filling my mind. I'm just sharing myself this. I'm not trying to be religious here. I'm just, I fill myself with the Bible, literally. I listen to it on audio, I read it, or I read a leadership guru. I love Simon Sinek, I love John Maxwell. I'm listening to these guys all day long. I'm listening to some of the nutritional people I like to follow. You know, like uh, like healthy lifestyle. Mine's, so on my Instagram, I went and deleted almost, I, I, you know, I had a business. I had some people who followed other people for me. And I said, we're not following these people. So literally the only people I follow now are the people I agree with that are talking about like Bible verses, spiritual stuff, uh, being a good le like leadership principles, that's what I follow now. So like, if you go on my social media on Facebook or Instagram, that's all I follow. I'm not following these other people. And then news wise, I don't watch news. I don't watch CNN. I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch those news stations. Actually, instead, I will go to a site online that I think is more middle of the road and isn't lying to me. And maybe I check just to stay informed a couple of days a week. And that is it. You know, and sometimes the international stuff is better anyways. But all that being said, <laughs> that's, um, that's where I'm keeping up with more things. But I think that's important to know is that, hey, if you're, those things are fear-based. The other thing is, why is there not more love? The, 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 the worldview of the world is completely wrong. Our culture is completely wrong in terms of what most people, 99% of people are sharing is the worldview. I'll give you an example of this. Media today will tell you every TV show Every movie, every song will tell you that love is a feeling. Love is not a feeling. It's, it's complete garbage. Love is a commitment. So love, love is not feeling something. Chelsea, there are probably days where Chelsea is like, okay, I don't know if I love this guy. But you know what? Chelsea and I said, till death do us part when we got married, and we will be together till death do us part. Reason being, is I'm, I, I don't let feelings dictate whether I love her. I love her because I've chosen to love her. Love is a choice. Love, according to the Bible, is actually, it's a word agape, which means sacrificial love, which means, hey, I'm giving up the way, you know, my dreams to fulfill your dreams. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I can. I'm, I'm called to love you, and it's a choice. Today, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I fell out of love with you. I don't feel it anymore. So all that being said, that goes with all these emotions. Everyone is living in a state of victim mentality rather than saying, I take responsibility, I choose. And so anyways, what is crushing love today? In the Bible, it says, perfect love casts out all fear. They actually say the opposite of fear is love. So love is living in a state of hope and faith in God. And it's also, when we're talking about love, it's not a feeling, it's a choice. You're choosing to love somebody whether you feel it or not. I mean, and that might have sounded like a big soapbox there, but that's just, that's why we don't have more, more love today. I love it. Listeners, look at this. We got Dr. Axe, the nutrition guy, going off and, and getting to the heart of it. And it's, okay. it's so important to, to bring it all together, especially, you know, you and I live and breathe this uh, health and uh, diet and nutrition and all that all day long. Uh, but it, it yeah. really seems to me like just a narrow sliver of what it means to uh, live a healthy, happy life, especially when the emotions can uh, destroy your health despite your excellent choices at the, at the dinner table. Well, yeah, we can't completely separate this stuff. Again, Western medicine does. In fact, this happened mm. many years ago where they said your spirituality and your physical health and your health, they are complete, and your emotion, they are completely unrelated. This happened many years ago. This is Greek medicine because they separate everything. 
in Eastern medicine, everything is together. So I do talk about this stuff. I talk about it to family members. When I'm caring for somebody, helping them overcome a health problem, I talk about it too. Because this is what ancient physicians did. It's what I do today. But because these things, if you don't know what love is, that's going to affect your health. Like this, you know, it's, it, it all matters. Love it, man. Thank you. And uh, back to the, uh, uh, the <laughs> being blind and closed-minded to the importance of uh, being open-minded and, and thinking critically. Uh, I'm curious about your opinion on this uh, carnivore movement, which I've been watching very carefully with great fascination. And, you know, you talked a lot about the uh, uh, medicinal benefits of plants. So that's a separate category from uh, the integration of plants as a centerpiece of your diet. And so we have a little bit of um, uh, progress, uh, progression here and, and uh, uncertainty and, and breaking knowledge. So here he is. If you're watching on YouTube, he's, Joss is ready to pounce. So I can't wait to hear all this. Yeah, so so here, th- this might be a surprising answer, or it may not be, but my answer is this: it depends on the person. Here's one of the things I can tell you about Chinese medicine, and about all medicine, about just health. There is not one single diet that is specific to everybody. Now, this may go. I don't want to say it's in contrast. I think in, when I bring this back around, I think there'll be more alignment with the primal and paleo principle. But let me say this: I am, which by the way, pa- paleo and primal to me means something different. Like I believe we have a God that created us and um, a hunter-gatherer lifestyle can be great, generally speaking, for some people. Um, and I think it's healthier than our traditional diet by Fast far. food lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, but, but here, here's my belief system with this. And, and by the way, if you're listening to this, have you ever done a diet and it worked for someone else in a fantastic way and for you, you did not see the same results? Nobody is wired completely differently. Different foods in, are good for different people. For instance, if I have somebody who comes to me and they have liver disease, I will put them on some raw vegetables. But if I have somebody with inflammatory bowel disease, I will put them on zero raw vegetables. They'll be eating all cooked vegetables and meat. So all that being said, I think it really depends on the person. This is what Chinese medicine says is there's no one diet for everybody. It depends on what you have going on in your body. You know, I think based on the emotions, so here's the other thing. If you have the emotion of worry, it causes disease in the upper GI, your upper digestive system. That's a fact. Think about this. If you ever worry about something, you say, oh, my stomach is tied in knots. It affects your upper digestive system. The emotion of fear affects your adrenals in your kidneys and your bladder. Think about this. If a child gets really scared at night, they can wet the bed because they had fear. Somebody who has a lot of anger will call somebody like an angry drunk. Like anger affects the liver and the gallbladder. The emotion of grief, like depression, um, a sense of loss, those things affects the immune system. And then the emotion of anxiety affects the heart. Think about raising your, your, raises your blood pressure. So all that being said, we know different emotions affect different organ systems. Based on the organ system affected or based on how you're wired, different foods support those people. There's also, you know, in Chinese medicine, it's called the five elements, but you look at everybody falls in a different category of foods that they need to probably get a little bit more of. So for instance, in Chinese medicine, um, it's kind of like taking a personality profile. So if anybody's ever taken an Enneagram test or a DISC profile or Myers-Briggs or any of those personality profiles, they do that in Chinese medicine, but then they say these are the foods that you need to be more conscious of eating and getting in your diet based on how you're wired. Because if you're dealing with a lot of worry, you need to really support that upper GI. Well, what foods support the upper GI? According to Chinese medicine, it's foods that are orange. So it's going to be pumpkin, butternut squash, carrots, those sort of foods. If you're dealing with a lot of immune issues, it's foods that are light yellow. It's chicken broth. It's ginger. It's garlic. It's those foods are more nourishing. So different the different foods nourish different organ systems. And so going back to answering your question, it's this, it's what do I think about the, you know, uh, a, a nose to tail diet or a primarily, you know, carnivorous diet. I think that fire elements, so more the cardiovascular system people, they will thrive on that diet. It is going to be a great diet. They can get away with not eating vegetables probably and be fine. I think that in some other people that have more liver gallbladder issues 
are going to have a harder time with it. Because think about this, a di different organ systems have to deal more with different macronutrients. So in protein digestion, your stomach and some of your liver and your kidneys, those are the organ systems that will deal more most with meat digestion. Whereas if we're talking about starch or carb digestion, it's actually more your pancreas is taking the largest load of carbohydrates, whereas fat is going to be almost all liver gallbladder. So think about this. If somebody has, like, let's say for myself, let's say I had a lot of anger and frustration and impatience and all those things taxing my liver constantly, toxin overload, and then I tried to go keto. Where then also my liver and gallbladder are dealing with fat constantly. Those are working hard. That diet is not a good diet for me. The keto diet is not good for that person versus somebody that has worry, a lot of worry in their life, but they don't ever get angry. That's not the emotion they experience, but they have a lot of worry. So, and they overconsume carbs. So their pancreas is taxed. That person gets on a keto diet to where now there's no stress on the pancreas and the liver is, hey, fresh, it's healthy, it's going, it's digesting all this stuff. So now the pancreas gets to rest, now it gets to regenerate, it gets to heal, it gets to, all of a sudden that person's like, the keto diet for me is a miracle because the keto diet is perfect for that person. So again, it really all depends which organ system are you stressing the most emotionally. And so again, the, the diet, I think it can be really, like the people I can tell you right now, I interviewed somebody who eats nose to tail almost exclusively. And I looked at him because I can tell he's a fire element in Chinese medicine. That means he is going to do perfect on a keto slash mm -hmm. carniv car carnivorous diet versus some other people won't. It just, it just depends. Wow. This is uh, solving a lot of confusion and controversy by presenting it in, in the way you describe. And I'm kind of coming to similar realizations, I think, especially uh, 12 years into living and breathing this every single day. I'm kind of realizing that uh, personally, I haven't found much difference from taking carbs all the way down to zero and going full uh, nose to yeah. tail or, you know, being a little more flexible and liberal and enjoying my popcorn in the evenings. Uh, and then when I'm uh, suffering in other ways, like in overtraining patterns or whatever, I'm blaming all these different dietary strategies for, you know, not making me feel optimized when I think maybe we're at the point now where, yes, it's, it's highly personalized and individualized. And if you just get rid of the junk food, and go to meals that you like and enjoy and are, are eaten in a celebratory manner, maybe you're now climbing up the ladder to you know the highest optimized diet possible without dealing with the nitty-gritty details and pricking your finger uh, to get your blood values until you get scar tissue. Well, I can tell you, Brad, I mean, one, you're totally right. And the other thing along with that is, is that you know how many people, especially the people that have a, a chronic condition, like Lyme disease is a good example of this, or chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia or certain other conditions. Some of those people get so obsessed with what they're eating that they're constantly thinking about it and stressing about it so much that that is, in fact, the reason they're not healing. <laughs> I'm serious. It's a lot of people. Yeah. Orthorexia a lot of people is a, a big deal. Because yeah. when overthinking, it actually stresses your, it's your digestive system. That's what's most stressed. Mm. And a lot of disease starts there. Is that like a, a, a gut-brain connection? Is that why? Yeah. The, so the overthinking, messing with the digestive system. So, so this is okay. So, so this is how this works in Chinese medicine too. Different organ systems are linked up together. Okay. So there's five organ systems that work together. You have your detoxification system, which is like your liver, gallbladder, your upper digestive system, your lower digestive, which actually includes the lungs. So it's your immune system actually. And then you've got your hormonal system with your adrenals and, uh, and there's one other, the, um, cardiovascular. The brain is most linked to cardiovascular, but it's also linked to others kind of is the whole thing. So uh, here's the thing. In Chinese medicine, there's actually a chart that shows that it's called the five elements and how the organ systems affects each other. The organ system that is most affected by your digestive system, if it's out of balance, is your immune system. It's the most effective. The second one that's most effective, and there's two others, the other one that's most, it just depends on the pattern. So they use the term in Chinese medicine 
they, the mother child relationship. So in Chinese medicine, the digestive system is the child to the brain. And so your digestive system, if it gets really out of hand and you're overtaxing, if you are overtaxing, it says the child essentially starts affecting the parent because it's such a bad child. Okay, think about it like that. And then the other thing is the digestive system is directly connected to the immune system or it, not directly, it affects the immune system. So if it gets really, you, everybody, if everyone wants to look at the chart I'm talking about, it's called the five elements of Chinese medicine. You'll see arrows pouring to other, there's patterns of invading and nourishing. And so anyways, it's, um, but it's pretty, pretty fascinating because they show holistically, because this is how somebody with hypothyroidism, it's not their thyroid in most cases. Mm. So if it's just most of the people with hypothyroidism, it's actually their adrenal issue. It's an adrenal issue that's affecting the thyroid. But Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is autoimmune, it's the adrenal, but it's more so it's actually the immune system is affecting the thyroid, autoimmune affecting the thyroid. So that's what starts happening there. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of a personal uh, anecdote when I was uh, competing on the pro triathlon circuit and, and training and traveling and exhausting myself and things weren't working right. I was getting all the blood tests and, you know, we couldn't find what was going on. And then I was finally diagnosed with uh, adrenal burnout. And mm-hmm. uh, boy, isn't that nice to finally have a diagnosis and now I can uh, figure out what to do or God forbid, uh, you know, take medicine or something. Uh, but then I went to a uh, sort of a uh, alternative practitioner. He was doing acupuncture and more from the east side. And he said, look, there's nothing wrong with your adrenals. If I put a gun to your head right now, you could go ride your bicycle 100 miles through the mountains. And I'm like, yes, I could. But of course, I wasn't healthy at the time. And it was sort of a... Uh, a, a way to characterize the symptom rather than the cause. And yeah. literally, unless, I guess, if you were taking a, a condition like adrenal burnout, maybe one or 2% of the people do have a dysfunction with that actual organ. They have a, oh, a they diseased can. state. But yeah. the rest of us, the adrenal burnout is coming from crappy diet. Uh, you know, we're not doing like supports like, we're not getting the right nutrients in. And we can back up a few steps like you described earlier in the show and, and look at the big picture rather than isolate on a a diagnosis, even though I guess it feels comforting to say that you have something wrong with you and walk around with that in your backpack. Yeah. I think, you know, I I know the adrenal issue is related to the adrenals, which which you're hundred percent right. Sometimes it is. If somebody, let's say iodine helps, it's probably the thyroid, or if it's more anxiety related, because this it's called the upper burner more anxiety related, that's affecting it. That's more thyroid. But if the person also has digestive issues or they've got major fatigue or some of those issues, a lot, most of the times it's not, but yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of that, like supports, like, which is so, I'm so passionate about, and I'm trying to dig into the research and get the rationale for it. Uh, Dr. Shanahan made a great comment that even if you're not into the, the dreamy uh, Eastern philosophy, you can do um, a, an analysis of a liver and notice that those nutrients or like the CoQ10 in the heart is good for our heart. So yeah. it's very easy to understand, but I never have heard it applied to uh, the plants and the interesting list that you sure. present that ginger actually does look like a stomach. Um, celery stalks look like bones. Uh, yeah. But along those lines, uh, do you have sort of a, uh, is there a scientific rationale that these uh, foods that resemble organs can, can nurture those organs in the same way that an organ can support a, an organ? Yeah. So I'll, let me answer the question. By the way, I have a great chart for this in my book, Ancient Remedies. I go through and, and show, hey, here's the organs, that, the foods that support which organs based on this. So here's the thing. If, if somebody believes that we were not here and boom, there was a big bang, which is kind of ridiculous. There's two rocks like slammed together and all of a sudden you have spirits and let, anyways, all that being said, if somebody prescribes to an ev- evolution and there is no God, it's, it's going to be very hard for them to understand. It, 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 again, it's, they're not going to be in alignment with this. They're not going to understand it. Um, but if somebody believes there's a God that created the universe, um, then this, this isn't too hard to get to and that he put certain foods here and he wanted to make it obvious, hey, use common sense. Like 
hey, people just get here on earth, you have a relationship with God and you start realizing the way God works and you realize, oh, he made it simple. If a food looks like an organ, it supports that organ. If it's a food's a certain color, it supports an organ. If a food has a certain flavor, it supports an organ. And these are pretty easy patterns. By the way, all that is true. So for instance, um, and I'm gonna touch on these and then I'm gonna touch on these organs, but foods that are light yellow, those support the immune system. Foods that are dark blue and purple, those support the hormonal system and some dark green. Foods that are light green, like Granny Smith apples and things like that, those support the, you know, the liver, gallbladder. Go on. Foods that are red and brown, those support more of the cardiovascular system. It's all, it's all true. Um, uh, foods that are sour really activate and work with lymphatics and part of the liver. Foods that are bitter work mostly with the cardiovascular and a little bit of the gallbladder for bile. Um, foods that are umami, like miso, really activate the immune system. So again, different flavors, different colors, you know, tell us exactly what to eat. In terms of foods that like supports like, I could use um, you know, uh, carrots as an example. It's very easy. When you cut them, you look at them, they look like an eye. They're super high in beta carotene. That converts to vitamin A. There are studies, medical studies, showing those support eye health. Celery looks like your bones. Celery is, the biggest thing about celery, it's so high in electro, just a lot of electrolytes, it's super alkaline. That's going to support bone health, but there is some vitamin K, some calcium there, but mostly it's alkaline. So that's why it supports bones so much. Again, beets look like blood and red blood cells. Cut it open, you'll see those boost nitric oxide. There are loads of studies on beetroot juice and beets for how those affect cardiovascular health. Reishi mushroom. Looks like your adrenals. It's been shown in Chinese medicine to support adrenals and immunity. Um, you know, there's a, here's, here's a cool one, a tomato. Here's what's crazy. A tomato has four chambers. Your heart has four chambers. Tomatoes are also high in lycopene, which loads of medical studies show is one of the most powerful compounds for your heart health. There, there's a lot of these. You know, figs look like uh, you know, like uh, your testes, and those actually have little dots in them that look like seeds that look like sperm. In the Roman Empire, in Greek medicine, it was the top thing used for male fertility. Uh, olives look like ovaries, and avocado looks like a uterus. Avocados are really high in magnesium, which causes uterine relaxation and high in certain fats to support hormone balance. So, all that being said, yeah, I mean, if you, there, are med there are plenty of medical studies showing these things work too. But the other thing too, you think it's a again for somebody that, that doesn't believe there's not a creator. Just, I mean, nature. It says in the Bible, you know, uh, nature declares the glory of God. It just it, it proves the evidence that He exists. So all that being said, it's, um, and this isn't a religious debate. I'm just saying like nature yeah. tells you what to, what to eat. I think a scientist can get to the same realizations too. Uh, I'm thinking this would go over really well with, uh, you know, like an elementary school crowd where they're uh, just learning yeah. about foods. You could come in there with the carrot, slice it and say, what, what organ does this look like? It would be a huge hit, man. They'd get them all eating healthy. Can I tell you what, Brad? I wish they would teach that instead of some of the crap they're teaching in school. Now, this one isn't the worst, but like I would literally have this conversation with another doctor the other day. I said, when was the last time you learned you used calculus? I've never used calculus. I would this would have been so much more helpful learning these nutritional principles in high school. I never learned anything about nutrition in high school. You learn nothing. It's like, but we're teaching people calculus. Again, this is all Greek. It's why our medical system, the way it is, it's Greek. Somebody came up with, we should learn this versus what practically should we learn to be successful in life? How about we teach kids about nutrition? How about we teach them leadership skills and how to build character? How about we teach some of those things rather than calculus and some of this other stuff? It's just it's kind of crazy. Oh, and you can add to that list. How about uh, financial planning, uh, uh, healthy relationship dynamics yes. before you go into calculus class? Yeah, none of that. None of that came through in high school, college, or elsewhere. Hundred percent. Doctor yep. Josh Axe, I so much appreciate your time. We went all over the map. That's what I. That's what I like about you, man. You're um, you're, you're covering a big picture here. And just to um, just to finish, I'm curious. What have you landed on with all your experimentation and optimizing your own personal diet? Is there anything you would even characterize it as? I mean, you've written about keto, about collagen. Yeah, I would call it a, a TCM diet, a Chinese medicine-based diet for the most part. Um, again, what does I just TCM found, stand for? 
Oh, traditional Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, I would also call it a biblical diet. I mean, I think it's a diet that we were created to eat and the diet, my, what do I personally eat? I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat some the in ranking order. I probably eat equal to vegetables and meat products. Meat products are also liver and bone broth and those sort of things, but cooked vegetables probably more. So this is also seasonal, but fall and winter, you should be eating more cooked. Once you get to spring, you can eat a little bit more raw in the summer, and then it should be it's seasonal eating in TCM. But all that being said, I eat mostly vegetables and meat. And then I eat some berries. I eat some healthy fat. Typically for me, I do better with things like coconut. Um, you know, if I do rice, which I do, that's the grain. I rice and oats I do the best with. I buy them sprouted, and I cook them for about 12 hours in a crock pot overnight mm. so there's no phytates, all of that, that becomes very easy to digest. They call it congee or porridge for, you know, congee rice for the rice and porridge and TCM. So anyway, so, so that's what my diet looks like. It's a lot of those foods. So I'll do oatmeal with some, uh, you know, berries and collagen for breakfast or bone broth powder. I'll do a smoothie like with pumpkin and bone broth powder for breakfast or maybe some berries. I will do for lunch, a big bowl of chicken vegetable soup. Or I'll do a grass-fed burger with a lot of steamed vegetables. If I top them with something, maybe it's a little bit of tahini or something like that. You know, so that's kind of what my, you know, what my diet looks like for the most part. That sounds great. Boy, let, let's get invited over, people. Yeah. The, the axes yeah. are cooking it up. So oh, yeah. ancient nutrition, we're going to go grab a copy of that where all books are sold. Uh, how else do we connect with you? And maybe you could also send us off if you had three or four really quick hits to, to recommend to someone sure. covering all the spectrum that you covered from mindset to integrating foods into your diet, getting rid of certain foods. Let's leave with a few, a few quick tips and then you can tell us where to connect. Yeah, no problem. So, um, and just so everybody, the book is Ancient Remedies. You can go on amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com or local bookstores nationwide. But again, just go online or go to Amazon and search Ancient Remedies, Dr. Axe. You'll find the book. It's got over 80 recipes, tons of protocols. Think you'll love it. In terms of, here, here are the big takeaways. Number one, you're, if you're going to be healthy, you got to take care of your whole body, your whole, your, yourself as a whole person. Start every morning doing a spiritual triathlon. Spend time. What I do is I get grateful and I praise God and I do that for 10 minutes. I then spend 10 minutes reading my Bible or a spiritual growth book. And then I spend 10 minutes in prayer meditation. My meditation, if I read on love, I start thinking about, uh, like for instance, Corinthians you know, 13, I start thinking about like the, the verse that goes, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does not dishonor others. And I think about myself, love is kind. Like, who do I need to be more kind to? Who can I be kind to today? That's my form of meditation. It's chewing on that, thinking about that. So one, do a spirit, start every morning doing a spiritual triathlon. Number two, find that diet that works for you. Again, meat and vegetables tend to be really good for a lot of people. You know, So I think doing lots of those two things is where I would start for most people. And then I think, again, I think the other thing we talked about is changing your mindset. Stop subscribing to, if you've got these people on Instagram and you're watching the news all the time, stop it. Follow people that you're saying, I see the fruit in their life. There's a principle in the Bible. It's by, by their fruit, you will recognize them. There are people that talk and talk and talk and talk. And if somebody gives relationship advice, if they have a terrible relationship, why are you listening to them? Like, so anyways, I think by their fruit, you will recognize them. Look at the fruit of people's lives, both their character, where they end up in different places, like all, all those things, and then model those people. That's the ancient way. Today, it's knowledge. It's learning a bunch of facts. The ancient way you learned was you followed somebody. There was actually true mentorship and you started modeling the things that would work in their life. It was kinesthetic learning, which actually is the most effective form of learning if you read the medical literature. So anyways, I would say those things to your spiritual triathlon, eat those superfoods, especially meat and food, and then start working on that, transforming your mindset. Dr. Josh Axe, great show. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. That's a wrap. Do, 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 do. If you're looking to bring the heat to game day snacks and party platters, or are looking to add a little feisty flavor to your sauce collection, Primal Kitchen's Buffalo Sauce brings just the right amount of heat. Keto certified, 
Whole30 approved, and paleo certified, this creamy sauce is made with high-quality, real food ingredients like cashew butter, avocado oil, cayenne sauce, and organic garlic powder. Primal Kitchen Buffalo is a medium heat sauce made without sugar and without xanthan gum, keeping the focus on delicious, real food flavor that adds a craveable kick to cauliflower bites or chicken wings. So use the code PRIMALBLUEPRINT to take 20% off your purchase at checkout.